This is Positively Farming Media. Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. In most areas of North America, we are quickly approaching the time where we can start finally planting after the gardens have had a long winter slumber. In regions further south, you're already primed to put your cool season crops in the ground. In fact, you're likely running out of time in zones 9 and 10. So today's episode is going to give you the lowdown on growing another shoulder season crop. Potatoes. Regular old Irish spuds. You know, I did an episode ages ago on the easiest crops for beginners, and I'm pretty sure that I failed to mention potatoes, and I'm not sure why. They are, in most climates, super easy to grow without a lot of fuss. Your yield definitely improves if you follow a few techniques, but you can grow potatoes just about anywhere, from big, long, in-ground rows to raised planters, old bathtubs or wash basins, buckets, grow bags, just even pots on your patio. So even if you don't have hundreds of row feet of space to grow russet potatoes for your entire family for a year, everybody has space to maybe do some fingerling potatoes or some small boiling potatoes for at least a few meals. Of course, there's a great sense of satisfaction dumping the dirt out of a pot or digging into the soil and pulling up a potato plant and seeing all those little potatoes hanging from the root system. And the flavor and the texture of new potatoes are just fantastic. Ready to grow some spuds? Let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen, and I started gardening 18 years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard. When we moved to a five-acre homestead, I expanded that garden to half an acre, and I found such joy and purpose in feeding my family and friends. This newfound love for digging in the dirt and providing for others prompted my husband and I to grow our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm. When I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, I discovered there is so much power in food, and I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. On this podcast, we explore crop information, soil health, pests and diseases, plant nutrition, our own nutrition, and so much more in the world of food and gardening. So grab your garden journal and a cup of coffee and get ready to just grow something. All right, we're just going to jump right into it. Let's dig into potatoes, starting with, as always, the basics. The scientific name for potatoes is Solanum tuberosum. The genus name, Solanum, is the Latin word solamen, which means comforting or soothing. The species name, tuberosum, means tuber. So it's a comforting tuber. And I absolutely agree that the potato is a comfort food. Now, it's in the plant family Solanaceae. Those are our nightshades. This is the same as your tomatoes and eggplant and peppers. This is important to know for crop rotation purposes because they do share many of the same insect pests and specifically the same diseases, especially with tomatoes and peppers. So that is definitely something to be aware of if you grow all of those plants. Now, potatoes are native to the Americas, and wild potato species can be found from the southern U.S. all the way to southern Chile. The potato was originally believed to have been domesticated by Native Americans independently in multiple locations, but later genetic studies traced a single origin in the area of present-day southern Peru and extreme northwestern Bolivia. Potatoes were domesticated there approximately 7,000 to 10,000 years ago. So domesticated potatoes have been around and in our diet for a very, very long time. Now, potatoes were introduced to Europe from the Americas by the Spanish in the second half of the 16th century. 
which is why I find it very funny that we refer to them as Irish potatoes, just to differentiate them from sweet potatoes, when they both originated in the Americas. I mean, I get it. They were heavily developed as a crop after they landed in Europe, and residents in Ireland depended on them as a staple. And of course, the potato famine there caused a lot of immigration, and those Irish immigrants brought the culture of the potato to the U.S. But I'm curious what the rest of the world refers to them as. It's got to be something different, right? Until the early 1990s, most potatoes were grown and consumed in Europe, North America, and countries of the former Soviet Union. But now they are such a staple food in many parts of the world and an integral part of much of the world's food supply that that is changing. China is now the biggest potato producer, and almost a third of all potatoes are harvested in China and India. Potatoes are actually the world's fourth largest food crop after corn, wheat, and rice. So they definitely have become an important food stuff for us. And so it's a good reason to just grow them ourselves. So let's talk about the cultural significance and ethnobotanical uses. Remember, ethnobotany is the study of a region's plants and their practical uses through the traditional knowledge of a local culture and its people. These uses are cited as a historical and anthropological resource. Never ingest the parts of any plant without being absolutely positive of its effect upon the human body, please. And on that note, all of the green parts of the potato plant contain a toxin known as solanine, and they should not be ingested, which is also why you shouldn't eat the tubers if they are green below the skin. Now, oftentimes the green skin just means it was exposed to excess sunlight, and if you peel it back, it's fine. Unless you see the meat of the tuber is also green, and then it should be tossed in the compost. Now, the potato was used in folk medicine for the treatment of burns, corns, cough, tumors, and warts. And this is the one that gets me. Reportedly in Europe, raw potatoes were tied behind a person's ears to treat delirium. <laughs> Look, if I'm delirious, I can think of a few other ways you could use potatoes to calm me down, like make me some vodka from the potatoes and treat me that way, okay? Don't tie potatoes behind my ears. That's just going to tick me off and maybe make me even more delirious. As far as nutrition goes, a 75-gram serving of diced white potatoes contains 52 calories, zero fat, 12 grams of carbs, and 1.3 grams of protein, and is a good source of vitamins C, B6, and potassium with a little bit of magnesium and iron to boot. So, does all this make you want to grow potatoes? Good. Here we go. Let's talk about the in-ground cultivation of potatoes. Now, potatoes are a cool season crop, and most varieties need between 60 and 120 days to mature. This is going to depend on the variety and the type of potato you are growing. You can pick them young for baby potatoes. You can let them mature to very large potatoes for storage, or you can harvest them anywhere in between those stages. Now, a lot of time, I will plant two rows of the same variety, one to harvest early as small new potatoes that we can start eating right away, and then one to grow to full size for storage through the off-season. You can do this with containers, too, by having some designated as early and some as late. Now, potatoes are typically planted from what we call seed potatoes, not actual seeds. The seed potatoes are just the best specimens from a crop the year before put in storage and then used the following year for planting. 
This is true whether you save them yourself, use potatoes from the grocery store that have sprouted on you, or you order seed potatoes from a supplier. That's not to say that potatoes don't produce seeds. They can. Potato plants do bloom and they will set fruit depending on where you're gardening and what your weather conditions have been. We get them pretty frequently on ours. They're small little clusters of fruits that look like tiny little wild eggplant or the fruits of those deadly nightshade weeds that you might see. Again, they're all in the same family, so that makes sense. And these fruits are not edible but they do contain hundreds of seeds. So if you were to harvest and replant these though, the seeds may not grow, they may be sterile, and the plants will not necessarily grow too true to type because there are literally thousands of cultivars of potatoes out there now. Many of them are hybrids of some sort. So I would recommend sticking to seed potatoes unless you want to experiment with growing from seed, which I mean, I'm all about a good experiment. So knock yourself out and let me know the results. I would love to see that. Now, if that's what you want to try, stick with the more specialty varieties or the heirlooms and stay away from the more commercial ones. So choose like a German Butterball instead of a Yukon Gold. Um, but I digress. Let's go back to actual seed potatoes, okay? Growing potatoes from actual seed potatoes is easy. Like I said, I don't know why I didn't include them in that episode about the easiest things to grow for beginners. Maybe because it requires a little bit of effort in mounding them several times during the season, which I no longer do, by the way, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but it really is simple to grow them. So for in-ground cultivation, you're going to want to do a little bit of prep work just to be sure you get the best crop. Remember, these are tubers, and tubers are the underground storage organ for a plant. They're going to be hungry as they develop, and so you want a good amount of organic matter and a good level of fertility. If you're struggling with any of that in your soil, work in a good amount of composted manure or a high-quality compost the season before planting, preferably. You can do this just before planting if your compost is really well broken down and is biologically active. We just don't want it to be too hot so it won't burn your plants. But no, they do appreciate fertile soil and a soil that is loose without a bunch of obstructions to block the tubers as they grow. Tight soil is going to mean smaller spuds. So if you have heavy clay soil like we do, you definitely want to be adding a bunch of organic matter. They actually like the texture of a sandy soil, but if your soil is extremely sandy, adding organic matter is also going to be a requirement just to be sure you've got enough fertility to feed those tubers. The ideal soil pH level for potatoes is somewhat acidic, between 6 and 6.5, but they will actually tolerate soil with pH that goes as low as a 5. Um, you do want the soil to be well-drained, though, so the tubers don't sit in the water and rot. So when you get your seed potatoes, preferably from a seed supplier, we'll talk about that here in a little bit, um, you want to store them in a cool place until you are ready to plant them if you get them early. Once you're ready, you're going to cut those seed potatoes up into pieces to increase your yield. Can you just toss a whole potato in the ground and get more potatoes? Yes, but if you cut it into multiple pieces, each having a couple of those little eyes on them, which is the point where the sprouts come out, then you've just multiplied your harvest. 
Each piece of a seed potato can produce as much as two pounds of potatoes per plant. So you want more plants from the same number of seed potatoes. So slice them into pieces that weigh around an ounce or so. That's about half the size of a chicken egg, um, each with two or more eyes or sprouts on them. Now you can do this a day or two ahead of time or even the same day. You'll see a lot of advice to let you like tell you to cut the piece and let it dry out a little bit to avoid rotting, but we've cut ours the same day as planting plenty of times. We've never had a problem with the seed potatoes rotting in the ground, and we have pretty wet springs in our area. In fact, Wood Prairie Family Farm, who are seed potato suppliers in Maine, where I used to get my seed potatoes, they do the same thing. They slice as they plant. But it may be more convenient to plop yourself down in front of the TV and watch a show and cut them up at the same time. So I get that. Just don't cut them too early or they can start to dry out and that will affect their germination. You can also get an earlier germination by warming those seed potatoes up in the house for a few days right before you plant them. So keep them at around 70 degrees Fahrenheit for two or three days ahead of time and you'll cut down on the germination time outside. So cold storage while you're waiting to plant, then warm them up just a little bit before they go in the ground. Oh, and the only reason that I don't get my seed potatoes from Wood Prairie anymore isn't because I don't like them. I love them. It's just because we plant like 200 to 300 pounds of seed potatoes every year now. So I have to get them much more locally than that, or I would be spending a fortune. But I will link to them in the show notes if you want to check them out. They have a lot of fun varieties and heirloom potatoes too, so... When you are ready to plant your potatoes, check your soil temperature or use an online tool that shows the soil temperatures in your area. I will link to one in the show notes. You don't want to plant your potatoes until your soil reaches 45 degrees Fahrenheit, about 7.2 Celsius, or above in the spring. You want them in early enough that they'll put most of their green growth on when your air temperatures are no higher than 70 Fahrenheit or 21 Celsius, but you don't want them in too early or they'll sit too long in the soil without sprouting and they could rot. So when you plant your potatoes is going to depend on your region. In my area, this is typically around St. Patrick's Day, go figure. Usually sometime between the third week in March and maybe the first week in April is typical. You don't want the soil to be saturated when you plant. Cool soil is fine, but cold and wet is not. So you're just going to have to time it a little bit. Now when you're putting the potatoes in the ground, plant the seed pieces cut side down about 10 to 12 inches apart or 25 and a half to 35 and a half centimeters apart in trenches that are about three feet or just shy of a meter apart. If you want fewer but much larger potatoes or for like a naturally large potato like a russet, you might want to space them a little further apart like 15 inches or 38 centimeters. If you want lots of little new potatoes, then you can space them a little bit closer together. Do these a few different ways until you land on a spacing that seems to work for you or do a combination of both. We plant slices in the rows for the new potatoes a little closer together than we do the ones for storage purposes because we want them to have lots of room to get larger. Now, how deep 
in that trench. Here's a little trick. If you are planting somewhere further north in the northern hemisphere and your soil temperatures stay cooler for longer, you can plant your potatoes as shallow as one inch deep or two and a half centimeters. This will allow the seed potatoes to get more of the sun's warmth and germinate more quickly. Then you will absolutely want to hill those up as they grow to protect the stems and protect the tubers that will be growing underneath. Now, if you're in the south or a warmer region, you can plant yours deeper, like four to five inches deep or 10 to 12 and a half centimeters. This will keep those tubers cooler as your air temperatures begin to quickly rise in the spring and make it easier for them to germinate and thrive. It can take as long as three weeks sometimes for seed pieces to sprout. So keeping them cooler or warmer, depending on your climate, can be the key to getting those healthy sprouts. So now here's the thing about hilling potatoes. I was taught that you mounded the soil up around your potato plants to encourage more tubers. I mean, literally mounding them up to where there was only a few inches of growth at the top. And you would do this over and over again throughout the season until they started to flower. It turns out that this is only really true if you're working with indeterminate potato plants. Just like there are determinate and indeterminate tomato varieties, the same goes for potatoes. But unlike what I was led to believe, a lot more has to do with how the foliage, flowers, and berries grow and very little to do with the actual tubers themselves. So indeterminate potatoes can produce a slightly larger yield, but the real difference is that determinate potatoes just mature more quickly. They are the early and mid-season varieties, the plants that are fairly short. They usually stay around three foot tall and they produce most of their flowers all at one time, just like our determinate tomatoes. Indeterminate potatoes are usually the late season varieties because they need a longer time to mature. And those plants continue to grow bigger with longer stems and lots of flowers as the season progresses. These are the ones I usually call potato vines because they just seem to keep going. Again, like our indeterminate tomatoes. So when potatoes are growing, the tubers form on stolons, those long, thin stems that emerge out from the main stems. So the thought is or was that the longer the underground portion of the plant, the more stolons that the plant might grow. So yes, if you have an indeterminate potato plant that will put out growth over a longer time frame, you might be able to increase your yield by the increasing the amount of that stem that is underground. So this is the idea behind hilling up around the stem. But increasing production is not actually the most important reason why we should be hilling our potato plants. And yes, you can get away with not hilling them at all, determinate or indeterminate, right? Hilling potato plants as they grow actually just helps to protect the stems of the plant as they grow, and it covers the potato tubers as they develop. Remember, I said earlier that potatoes may turn green if they are exposed to too much daylight. So while peeling that back may make it safe to consume them, the overexposure can actually make them taste bitter. Plus, the more they're exposed, the more possibility of them being damaged before you get a, a chance to harvest them. So if you plant deep enough from the beginning, you may not need to mound around your plants. 
If you need to plant shallow, though, because you need that sun to warm the tubers, then you will absolutely need to hill these up. So once the plants are up out of the soil by about four to six inches or 10 to 15 centimeters, start hilling them up by using a hand hoe or a good rake to just mound the soil up around the base of the plant. You can do this once really good, or you can continue to build a nice big hill as the season progresses, mounting up the soil from between the rows, or even just adding fresh layers of compost a couple of times if you don't want to dig or rake. Another way to do this is to just add a heavy layer of straw mulch. Our least back-breaking method to this is to be sure that we plant about four inches beneath the soil, come back through once to mound the plants really well once they've hit about six inches tall, put a nice deep layer of straw mulch down on top of those mounds, and then just call it good, right? The mulch, of course, is going to help keep the weeds at bay. It keeps the soil moisture nice and even. It keeps the soil cooler for longer as the days start to heat up. And only doing this one time saves our backs and saves time. Now, what you decide to do is entirely up to you. Play around with different techniques and see what calls to you. And uh, fair warning, your technique may change as you get older. <laughs> Hilling potatoes was no big deal 15 years ago. These days, yeah, I'd rather spend my energy elsewhere. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, what about growing potatoes in containers? This can be anything from raised planters to grow bags, wire mesh cylinders to five-gallon buckets or other containers. So you want to put about three to five inches or seven and a half to 12 and a half centimeters of soil compost mixture in the bottom of your container. And then put your seed potato pieces on top of that and then cover them with another three to five inches of soil. Instead of hilling, you can continue adding soil as the plants grow all the way up until the container is full. And then to harvest in big planters, just dig under the plants and pull the whole mass up. But if you grow in bags or in buckets, then you can just turn the whole thing on its side and dump out the contents. And if you're doing this in wire mesh cylinders, pull the cylinders up away from the plants or disconnect them from the side and just let the whole mess fall apart and pull your tubers out. Easy peasy. Your biggest concern with containers of any kind is drainage. I would not recommend using old wash tubs unless you've drilled holes in the bottom for drainage. 
if you use something with a solid bottom on it, then you're likely going to end up with rotted potatoes if you get too much water. So have a plan to mitigate that. Other than that, everything else that you do with potatoes in containers is the same as what you do in ground. So let's talk about like water and nutrient requirements, regardless of where you're growing potatoes. They will do well with a little bit of feeding every now and then. It, it takes a lot of energy and nutrients to grow those tubers. And so if your soil is depleted at all, the tubers will suffer. So side dressing about four weeks after planting with a little bit of fertilizer or amendment that is mainly nitrogen will give them a really good boost. You can do this again about two weeks later when you hill them up. Um, if you're planting in containers, a foliar spray may be more convenient or watering with something like a fish emulsion or a seaweed extract. But if you've amended your soil really well at the start, though, you may not have to do anything. Always do a soil test at the beginning of the season to know what you're working with. I generally just make sure to use some really good compost and add a balanced organic fertilizer when I prep the beds. And then that's it. And our yields are just fine. Now, as far as water requirements, potatoes do fine with the garden standard of one inch of water per week, whether that's rainwater or from you irrigating. Of course, the heavier you mulch, the less you'll have to water, especially if your area generally gets some really good spring rains. Just know that if you have that nice sandy soil that potatoes seem to like, you also likely need to water more frequently because your soil doesn't hold water as shallowly in the soil as like our clay soils do here. So make sure if you have to water, and this includes containers, be sure you're doing it deeply and thoroughly. So if you check the soil with a trowel and it's only wet a couple of inches down, keep watering until that soil is saturated. Just make sure it's getting it about once a week in those dry periods. Now, let's talk about pests. There are two main potato pests, and those are the Colorado potato beetle and, to a lesser extent, cutworms. Most everybody you'll hear complain will be about the Colorado potato beetle. Now, these beetles overwinter in the soil and they become active in the spring right about the same time that potato plants begin to emerge from the ground. The larvae and the adults feed on leaves and they can completely defoliate your plant. They can also attack other plants in the nightshade family including your eggplant, tomatoes, peppers, and ground cherries. Many pesticides are ineffective. Your best bet is to make sure that you keep your garden free of weeds that are in the same family, like the nightshades and the ground cherries, so that they don't become a host for the pest. And then you are regularly going to have to check your plants for the orange egg masses that are on the undersides of the leaf. Now, if you have a small garden, hand picking like this can absolutely be effective. Just pick them off, drop the adults and the larvae into a pail filled with soapy water, or if you find the egg masses, just remove or crush the eggs. Of course, new adult beetles can fly into the garden, so be sure that you check your plants regularly. If they do become a problem, you can cut down on the population by only growing potatoes every other year, but this only really works if none of your neighbors is growing potatoes within about a half a mile radius. The good news is lady beetles eat potato beetle eggs, so planting things that help attract ladybugs may help your situation. 
And like I said, that other pest is cutworms. They will chew off the potato stem at the soil line as it sprouts. They're not specific to potatoes, and there are a bunch of different varieties of these worms depending on where you live. If you have them, you likely have already experienced them maybe in another crop. The best bet is to remove weeds, which can serve as alternate hosts to the larvae, and then rake up your garden surface really good before you start to plant, maybe a week or two ahead of time, to expose any larvae that have lived through the winter, and this will expose them and help to kill them off. Now, as far as diseases are concerned for potatoes, anything that affects tomatoes or peppers or eggplant, like early blight or late blight or verticillium wilt, can affect your potatoes too. So proper crop rotation is very important if you have experienced any of these diseases in your area. Potato scab is another one to watch for. This is a bacterial disease that causes dark, rough, corky spots on the skin of the potato tubers, but it doesn't rot them. Now, they may be ugly, but they are completely edible, so this is not as bad as the other soil-borne diseases that can cause a complete crop failure. And once disease spores are in the garden, it is often really difficult to get rid of them. So this is why it's recommended to always use certified seed potatoes. You're not going to be bringing in any diseases with your seeds if they come from a certified grower. Now, you can't guarantee that's the case when it comes to planting the potatoes that you bought at the store that decided to sprout in your pantry. Can you grow those? Yeah, for sure. But you do run the risk of bringing a disease into your garden soil. So know that risk before you do it. Or only plant those store potatoes in a container where you can change the soil out if it ends up contaminated. And there's one more thing that's not really a disease. It's considered a potato disorder. It's called hollow heart. And it causes there to be an irregularly shaped hole in the center of the potato tuber. It's caused by periods of lots of water and then too little water, or it can be caused by not having enough nutrition in the soil. Now, it does not affect the taste or the safety of the potato, but if you've experienced this in the past, be sure to water regularly and add fertilizer or amendments according to your soil test to prevent this from happening in future crops. All right, so how do you know when your potatoes are ready to harvest? Tubers will start to develop right around the time the potatoes blossom, but don't count on this as your only indication. Your plants may not always give you blooms. This is going to be variety dependent and weather dependent, although I hope they do blossom for you because it really is so beautiful, truly. I think it was Marie Antoinette who used to wear potato flowers in her hair. They really are very pretty. But even if they don't bloom, you'll still get tubers. Know the average maturity date of your plants when you, when you plant them and use that as a guide. The good news is potatoes can be eaten any time after the tubers start to develop. If you want to check to see how mature your potatoes are or you want to start picking them early for new potatoes, just pull back some of the soil from your hill or dig some soil out from around the plant in your container. You can actually pull potatoes from the plants as you want them and then leave the rest of them on the plant to continue to develop. Just make sure you cover the soil back up again. 
New potatoes, I keep referring to new potatoes, those are tubers that are dug before their skins have thickened and become tough. The tenderness of the skins makes them just a little bit more special. They're very tender and the texture is kind of silky. Usually you're looking at about mm, seven to eight weeks or so after planting for new potatoes. So if we plant mid-March, usually by mid-June, we can start digging new potatoes. In fact, we used to plant blue potatoes alongside our other varieties so that we could harvest red, white, and blue new potatoes in time for 4th of July. It's fun. You should try it uh, if you're in the U.S. anyway. Um, if you want to dig the whole plant for new potatoes, just remember that the new tubers will have formed above the seed piece that you planted. So you should dig down at least a foot or so with a spade or a shovel and sort of like wedge it up and turn the whole plant upside down to pick the little tubers. Now, if you want some new potatoes and some mature potatoes, Harvest some of the plants and leave the rest. Or, like I said, dig out what you want and then just cover the other tubers back up again, whatever's most convenient for you. Now, for potatoes for storage, you should harvest mature tubers after the plants have dried or when you see that those tubers have reached their full size and you want to do this while the soil is dry, if possible. The skins are usually thickened on those potatoes about two weeks after the plants have died back. But if they're full size and you want to clear the space in the garden, you can pull them and put them in a warm, well-ventilated area to allow the skin to set. So for mature tubers, it may be easier to dig the hills using a spading fork, or you can use a shovel or a trowel. Be careful not to pierce or cut the tubers with the fork tines or the edge of your shovel. It's going to happen, trust me, but just try to dig under them as best you can and lift them up out of the soil. Of course, if you plant it in containers, you can just disassemble them or dump them, and this makes the process a heck of a lot easier, and you actually have less chance of damage. Now, if you do cut into potatoes as you harvest them, just sort those out. Don't store those. Eat those first because they won't hold. Speaking of storage, you're going to want to choose varieties that work best for storage. I used to pick one variety that was just for new potatoes and one variety for storage. No matter how you do it, this information should be in the notes of the varieties you're looking at. Some work better than others, and it's usually based on starch content. So look for those ones that specifically stay good for storage. Potato skins for storage should be difficult to rub off with your thumb. So if you're rubbing your thumb across the potato and the skin peels back, it needs to be cured. Again, place the potatoes in a warm, well-ventilated area to allow the skin to set. Keep them under cover or in the dark and give them about 10 days or so and they should be completely cured. Check them over once they're cured. Take any out that are soft or shriveled or bruised. Eat those first. Gently brush off any dried soil that's on the tubers, but do not wash them. You do not want them wet before you store them. As a rule, potatoes are best stored in dark, cold, moist conditions. We're talking 32 to 40 degrees Fahrenheit and about a 95% relative humidity. This is actually the conditions of our refrigerators. So if you're not storing a huge amount of them, you may be able just to store them in the fridge. Um, but, you know, a basement or someplace like that is perfectly fine, too. Now, something that I didn't know is that potatoes that are destined for frying should actually be stored warmer than that. You know how 
things like carrots or spinach taste better after they've had a frost or they've been outside during the winter time. And that's because the cold will actually induce sweetness in those plants because it's concentrating all the sugars. Well, potatoes that you're going to use specifically for frying, like making french fries out of, should actually be stored at 40 to 50 Fahrenheit instead because you want to avoid that cold-induced sweetening because it can result in discoloration during frying. I didn't realize that. So 32 to 40 Fahrenheit for most of your potatoes, but if you want them specifically for frying, then you can keep them in a warmer area. Now, green skin, remember, occurs when the potato tubers experience exposure to light, so remove any green areas before you cook the potatoes. Don't consume potatoes with extensive green areas under the skin. You also want to remove any sprouts from the potatoes prior to using them for food, and the longer potatoes are in storage, the more likely they will begin to sprout. And so long as you didn't have any soil-borne diseases the previous year, go ahead and plant those in the spring. And yes, if you knock those sprouts off, they will still sprout again once you plant them. I hope this episode gave you all the information you need to get started on your potato growing journey or to improve the one that you're already on. If you have any questions along the way, be sure to reach out. I will be happy to answer any questions I possibly can. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden, and we'll talk again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, go to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com, where you can find all the episodes, show notes, articles, courses, newsletter sign-up, and more. I'd also love for you to head to Facebook and join our gardening community in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning and keep growing.